0: And we will be um reading out of First Timothy chapter one, starting in verse twelve, so if you want to open up your Bibles there, and we will start there tonight um I've been praying about what I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak on and and you know when you sometimes you have so much but you can't get it down on paper, it's like it's all up here, but it's it's like I can't sometimes I struggle with getting it back down to here sometimes, and so there's some things that, that we're going to talk about tonight here in this, this first few verses in 1 Timothy that I want to get to. But the, the title of tonight's message is Testimonies of Grace. Testimonies of Grace. And I want to start off saying is this, is that you know, every single one of us has a testimony of our life. Whether it be a testimony to our family, to our friends to our co-workers. Um, it could be a, a, the testimony of, of what someone may see at the grocery store. You know, you begin to develop relationships with where you live. I've developed a relationship with a, with a lady at the Kroger by my house. She's an African lady. She's from Nigeria. Her name's Cece. And every time I go in there, she's a Christian. Every time I go in there and I check out, I go to her side and I say, Cece, what can I pray for you about? And she goes, well, Mr. Reese, and she starts telling me what I could pray with her about. And we pray and pray right there in the store. And so our lives are a testimony. We are a walking testimony to the people around us. And God is wanting our lives to be a testimony of his grace, of his love, and a testimony of who he is to this world around us. You know, because if we look at the world in itself The world in its own self does not have a true testimony of who God is, right? Because there is no goodness in the world. You know, everything of the world is enmity against God. You know, the world doesn't agree with God and God doesn't agree with the world. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't love the people in the world. But that means his his testimony doesn't abide with the world. His testimony abides with us, his sons and his daughters, Christians. And it's so... Our testimony is so that his hope of his word and his gospel can shine forth from our lives and be a living testimony of how he is a living God. You know, the whole, the, I remember hearing this growing up and you, you've all heard this. Actions, what, speak louder than words? You know, you could tell somebody something so many times, but then when you do what you say, it's reinforced in such a way That they can't argue with you. They can't doubt you. They can't say, well, you didn't do what you said. You know, And as we grow in our faith, we have to understand that we not only have to proclaim our faith, we have to live out our faith. There's more than just proclaiming. Because even even people who just say they follow Jesus can proclaim that. But when they live it, it shows that. It shows that to the people around them. So I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul is teaching here to Timothy and what words he spoke to Timothy in the beginning of this, thir- this first chapter and what was given to us through the, whole, through the Holy Spirit, through his inspiration on what God did in Paul's life and how God wants to do the same in our lives. You know, I think sometimes... We forget that these men and these women that we read about within the word of God, yes, they are godly men, yes, they are godly women, yes, they were used powerfully by God, but they were men and they were women just like just like us. So God wants to use us just like he used them. Maybe not in the sense of, of in the leadership position like the apostle Paul was in, but that doesn't mean the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be actively moving through your life, and that doesn't mean God doesn't want to use you as a testimony to the world all around you. Amen? So Paul is writing in this letter to Timothy, which he likens Timothy. If you don't know much about Timothy, um, Timothy was like a son to Paul. You know, he addresses him like that, Timothy, Timothy, my child in the faith, or my son in the faith. And Paul genuinely loved Timothy this way. He had become a leader. Timothy had become a leader and a pastor at the church in Ephesus at the time. And Timothy was very young in age. I was reading about Timothy. They say Timothy probably got saved around the age 16. His, in his family, he got saved. And by the age, probably, I think it was either 20 or 21, he was the head pastor of a church. Now, how would you like to do that? Go back to when you were 16, get saved, and then become the head pastor of a church in Ephesus by the time you're in your early 20s, and see see how that goes. I'm sure he dealt with a lot of things that we couldn't even understand. And so Paul's writing to Timothy, this young man And he he was young in age, but he was very strong in his faith. And only, you know, and only in that we need to understand something. Just because you're young in age doesn't mean God can't use you greatly. Amen? You all hear that? Just because you're young in age, just because you're older in age doesn't mean God can't use you greatly. God wants to use all of us. Why? Because we are all living testimonies of his grace. Amen? And so Paul is writing and he's encouraging him to stay true to the faith at the beginning of this chapter when you go through probably the first 10 verses he Paul is addressing some of the things that are going on and he's saying you know stay true to the faith that you stood on that 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 I taught you the faith that you came from through the gospel of Jesus Christ stay true to that don't advert. There's men around you. They're talking about mythical things. They're talking about, um, at one point he says, fruit, they're making fruitless discussions. So he's addressing some of the things that Timothy's facing at the beginning of these verses, and he's talking about how he needs to stay grounded in the faith, grounded in the words of faith, grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But beginning in verse number 12, Paul begins to speak about the grace and the mercy that Jesus Christ showed him in his life. And how much do we need that? Amen, we need that, right? The grace and mercy of God. I mean, that's why we're here today, right? That's why we're able to be here in this place today is because the grace and the love and the mercy of God. And so Paul begins to talk about the grace and mercy that Jesus had showed him in his life. So that he could become, Paul could become the man of God that Jesus was calling to be, calling him to be. But not only that, so that Paul could become the teacher and the apostle and the pastor and the missionary that God was calling him to be. Not just for himself, but for the Christians at that time, for the Christians now, for the Christians that will soon to come. Amen? Because you know, Paul wrote a large portion of the New Testament, and I think. It's very powerful that this man was used in this way, and I don't think any man will ever be used again like he was used, but that doesn't mean God still doesn't wanna do that type of work in someone else's life. That doesn't mean that God doesn't wanna put that type of faith or put that type of hunger or desire. You know, Paul was a devoted man to Jesus Christ. And so I wanna ask this first question is this, and they won't have this up there and that's okay. Who was Paul before Christ? And who was he after Christ? And then I say this to you. Who were you before Christ? And who are you now after Christ? We all have a former life before Christ just like Paul had a former life. And God is desiring for us to carry our testimony just as Paul did in the world so that men and women will see the true power of God working through us and in us. And so I want us to look at this scripture now and we're gonna read through this. And so starting in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version, James, I mean, Josh, sorry. So you know you may have to change that really quick. But it, it sounds close to the same. It says, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul is is speaking on and, and begins to touch into about what God had done in his life. At the beginning in verse 12, he he goes on to say, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me. Because why? Because Jesus considered him faithful enough to take up the service that he was called to. And what Paul was called to do was to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to preach the gospel to the Gentile nations And to basically be like one of the first pioneer missionaries and to go through all of Asia and all through the area and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and plant churches in these areas. And so Paul had a mighty, mighty calling. And he states that he knows that it was Jesus who strengthened him to do this right off the bat. He makes that point. Because he brings up what? His former life. He says, formerly I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. The first point I want to make tonight is this. And he'll have it up there here in a second. Is this. God takes what we were in our sin and makes us new creations in him. Paul was formerly one thing, yet considered by God worthy enough to take on a calling that was far greater than anything he thought he could do. Why? Because in his mind, he would even liken himself constantly through scripture. We hear him say this I am the least of the apostles. He would say, I am the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be an apostle. I don't even, be, I don't even deserve to be in the, in the group, in the room, in the, in the clique, the apostle clique. I don't even deserve to have that title. Why? Because he knew what he formerly was, but he also knew what God had created him into. And I say that to you today is this, is that God has given us testimonies of our lives, testimonies of his grace. And he's called us, just like he's called Paul, to carry this testimony, this good news of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Amen? That's our calling. That's our purpose. And so God takes what we were in our sins, and he makes us new creations in him. God takes you and I in our sin, and he makes us new through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For us to be saved, for us to be set free, for us to be born again, it can only come through the gospel like it came to Paul, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the gospel, and I want to say this, Because I think we remember the question I I said earlier was this, who were you before Christ and who are you now after Christ? And I say this in all confidence, if the gospel doesn't change you, then you have not heard the correct gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when the true gospel enters into a man's heart or a woman's heart, there is a true change, a evident change. I'm speaking on How God takes us from one thing and He makes us new into another, just like Paul. And I'm using his testimony as an example because his testimony is a radical testimony. And I think sometimes we um, don't shun shun radical testimonies, but we can sometimes be a little questioning of them. Correct? You know, like Mr. Kanye West. You know, he got saved and he's really radical about it right now. And and some of us can can in in who've walked with Christ or who've been a part of, of the church or the body of Christ or whatever you want to call it, sometimes we can deem those people and we can look at those people and, and we kind of question it at first because it's so radical. It's real radical. It's real crazy. It's unexpected. And I say this to you, not, not making comparisons of Kanye West to Paul. I'm making comparisons of, of how God likes to radically change people. That's what he does. He does. God likes to radically change people. Yes. Because why, because the gospel does what? It changes us, right? If I'm still the same when I hear the gospel as I was after I heard it, then I, then I wasn't changed. Nothing happened on the inside. When I was a young man, I remember I went and gave my heart to Jesus, but I know why I gave my heart to Jesus. It wasn't because I wanted to serve Jesus, it was because I was scared out of my mind of hell. And yeah, that's a good reason to want to get saved, but we have to remember this too. We have to pursue Christ even after that. We just don't get our our insurance card and we put it in our wallet and we go on our merry way. We have to be in a constant pursuit, and we have to understand that God has given us the ability in our lives to carry his testimony of his gospel, of what he's done in us, and we have to steward that correctly. We have to walk in that correctly. We have to do the correct things. So I want us to take a moment and I want us to look at Paul and I want us to look at the testimony of his life. Think about Paul. He used to not be called Paul. What was his name before? Saul. Some people don't know that. Some Christians don't know that. They forget that Paul was once Saul who had a radical moment with Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. He was an unbeliever. Saul was an unbeliever. He didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God. He didn't believe who he was, who who Peter and the apostles were saying who he was, that he didn't believe that. He was unbelieving in his heart. In Galatians chapter one, verse 11, and we're going to read through these scriptures, verse 11 through 24, it says, for I would have known, Paul says, for I would have, for I would have you known, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute, the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. And we'll stop there. So Paul says, I was not given the gospel through man, I was given the gospel through a direct revelation from Jesus Christ, which is a very radical way of being saved, which is a very powerful way of being saved, correct? But what I think is the most amazing thing is God picked the guy who would hunt the Christians down and kill them. He picked the guy who would hunt the Christians down and drag them off into prison. He picked the guy who was so zealous for Judaism. I mean, when you look through and you really study out Paul, he spent near half of his life studying the law, studying Judaism, and studying these things. I want you to put yourself in this situation, all right? You've spent nearly half your life, whatever age you are right now. I know that we have all sorts of different ages. You spent half of your life devoted to something, And in one moment, in one day, you completely go the other direction. Completely go the other direction. See, when I, sometimes I don't argue with people, but when I talk to people and they want to tell me that the gospel isn't real, or that Christ isn't real, or that the power of God isn't real, or that, you know, the word of God isn't true, I look at things like this and I say, there's no way that it can't be true. It's a hundred percent true. Because how do you take a guy who spent nearly half of his life, if we really just look at Paul as a person, spent nearly more than half of his life dedicated to Judaism, all of a sudden one day to completely go the opposite direction? And not only that, he was the guy that when they were killing Stephen, he was like, "Come on in, I'll hold your coat. Here's a boulder." Like he was that guy. He was the guy who who welcomed the death of Christians. He was the guy who sought them out, who not only sought them out where he was, who said, hey guys, we'll load up some horses and we'll head over and we'll we'll hunt them down. I mean, think about that. To go from that to serving Jesus Christ. That's the power of the gospel. And what I want to say to you is this, that same power that was poured out to Paul is the same power that's been poured out to us. And so your testimony, though it may not be this radical testimony of getting knocked off a horse or knocked off on the Damascus road, your testimony is still powerful and it's a testimony of the grace of God. And God needs you to share that testimony just like he needed Paul to share his testimony of who he was. So continuing on, verse 17. He says, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, to those who were the apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia, and I returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, which is Peter, and stay with him 15 days. But I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Amen. People will be glorifying God because of your testimony. Do you understand that? I think Christians are scared to share their testimony. You know why? Because they have to bring up who they once were. Oh no, I can't let them know that I did that. No, let them know. Let them know that you were an adulterer. Let them know that you were a stealer. Let them know that you were a liar. Let them know that you were a gossip. Let them know, why? Because that's not who you were. Right. Who you are now is who God's called you to be. You were that then, but now you are who God's called you to be. And see the power in that, Paul's saying, I used to hunt the Christians down. And he didn't back away from sharing this. <laughs> and they knew who he was, they knew who he was, to the point that when they heard that he got saved, they were like, wait a oh, he got saved? Oh my gosh, and they started rejoicing and praising God. Why? Because the person who was once trying to kill them is now with them, yeah. and you see, your testimony, I know, I, know a, I know a dear friend of mine, he is a powerful testimony, and he was ashamed to tell it to me, He would preach Jesus. He was bold, but he didn't want to tell me. And then one day he called me and said, man, the Holy Spirit's just convicted me about the fact that I really need to share my testimony. I really need to be more transparent with people. Now, I'm not saying you divulge in the deepest, darkest whatever you've ever done in your life. That's not what I'm saying. But you need to share the things that God brought you out of because they're real things. They're real things that people are going through. And when you're real with somebody, you you have a a deeper connection with them. Because then they go, wait a second, they understand. They understand what I'm going through. And my friend, who's in ministry right now, for most of his teenage and early life in his 20s, was a homosexual. Full-blown homosexual, went to the clubs, went to the partying, did all of it. Had the boyfriends. I mean, I'm telling you, this is he a, was a full-blown homosexual. And now he's completely saved, completely redeemed, completely set free. God bro- cleaned him, cleansed him through the blood of Jesus, forgiven him all of his sins, leads a ministry. Powerful man of God. But he was afraid to share that. He said, I got scared to share it. I knew him for two years before he shared it with me. He said, I was scared because I was, gonna, I was afraid that men would look at me differently, that people would see me differently. And you know what I said to him? I said, no, you're a new creation in Christ. That's no longer who you were. That's no longer who you are. That's who you were. But now this is who God's called you to be. And that's who you are now. And so I say that to you. Have confidence and, and share what God's brought you out of. Because it's God that brought you out of it. It's not you, right? Don't be afraid to speak up and to preach, and to, and to share the testimony of God in your life. If we look at Paul, and we look at him before Jesus Christ, we see that he was the man, what, named Saul, correct? Who would hunt down the Christians and persecute the church. And, and he was extremely, what, zealous for those things. But then on the other end, when he came to his place of conversion, it so changed him, the gospel that changed him, was so powerful that he completely turned from all of those things and ran straight to Christ. You see, like I said at the beginning, if you hear the gospel and you're not changed, you need to make sure you're hearing the right gospel because the gospel changes you. If you've accepted a gospel that has not changed you, then you have not accepted the real gospel. And I struggle with that today with so many people who, who proclaim Christ, but they don't live for Christ. They don't follow Christ with all of their heart. The gospel that changed Paul was the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God moving through the Holy Spirit in him. The gospel that changes us when we are in relationship with the one true God, Jesus Christ, and we are set free and we are made new into what God has called us to be, his sons and daughters. Second Corinthians chapter five, Verses 10 through 21, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. At one day, we're gonna stand before Christ, every one of us, saved and unsaved. We will stand before Christ and God will judge the deeds of our life and he will look at them, whether they are good or bad. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, We persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we for if we we are beside it beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this that one died for all, therefore all died. So our old self dies. Our old self dies. Our old nature, who we were before Christ is not who we are now after Christ. Now does that mean all of the temptations and all of the tendencies and all of the little fleshly things that come against you, does that mean they've just vanished out of thin air and it's just easy pickings, you know, and you just kind of glide down the faith highway Praising Jesus until it's time for you to go home? No, that's not how that works. But we know this, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the word of God, and we have Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, moving and working in us. And what is he doing day by day? It's like what he said, he prunes us, right? He shapes us. I believe Peter says we are being molded and shaped like stones to be built into the temple, each of us. Some of us, we have some rough edges, and Holy Spirit's smoothing those out. And he's showing us the things that we need to fix. He's showing us the things that we don't need to do. He's showing us the things that we do need to do. But we can't lose sight of the fact that God has given us testimonies full of grace that we need to be sharing with people. I know Christians that will get so down on themselves that they won't wanna share, share who Jesus is. They won't wanna share the testimony of God in their life because they feel like, well, I messed up last week. Everybody messes up. It's not about that. It's about the grace of God. It covers all the sin. And so when you, when you fail, you have to get back up because the grace of God is there to pick you back up. The love of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That doesn't mean we continue on, but that means we don't stop. And we have to be willing. There's been moments in my life when I felt so discouraged, but I knew in my heart that I had to continue on. Why? Because it isn't about just me being here isn't about just me it's about the people that God has called me to love and to reach and to share the gospel with to share my testimony of what he's done in my life he goes on to say in verse 16 or verse 15 and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So God's calling you to go share your testimony, to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ, why? Because he's giving you the gospel of reconciliation. You hold the truth and the words of salvation, for someone in this city. We can't expect for God just to do it on his own because that's not how he works. God uses his people, he uses his sons, he uses his daughters, he uses us and he uses what he's done in us to be a living testimony of him. We can't see God right now. We can see him in Christ Jesus in the word, and we can see him in that representation. But I tangibly, I cannot see God. I I can't see him physically with my eyes. But spiritually, I know he's alive. I know he's alive, why? Because he's alive and moving in the hearts of his people. He's alive, moving and working in his body. I'll give you a, a really good example I shared on Tuesday morning in our prayer meeting last week. I was by myself at home. My wife had gone to work. And I go into my prayer closet. That's not to boast, I'm just telling you what happened. I go into my prayer closet and I shut my door. And I was praying. And I was saying, God, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your spirit from me. Please don't ever leave me. Why would you pray that, Pastor Reese? You're a pastor, you should know God's never gonna leave you. You should know the word of God from inside out. I'm a man. There's days when I wake up And I feel like, God, I need you more today than I've ever needed you before. And so I was on my knees praying, God, please hear my prayer. Please hear me. Please let me know that you hear me. I need your assurance. I'm doubtful, I need your assurance right now. I need to know that you hear me. I need to know that you're with me. And so I get a text message from my friend that I just told you about, the minister. He was once a homosexual, now he's set free. I keep in communication with him. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And he sent me this text, and all he said is, where are you? And my response was, I'm in the prayer closet. He said, okay. Well, he knows if I'm in there, he'll wait until I'm done, because he doesn't want to disrupt that, and vice versa. And so, some times goes by, he calls me. He said, I got a word from the Lord for you. Hadn't talked to this guy in months. I said, okay, what is it? You know, like anybody else, sometimes when we hear people say, I got a word of the Lord from you, you know, you can be kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? You do that. That's human nature. But really, we should, we should just kill that if we know that it's really from the Lord. We shouldn't let that come in because that's, that's, that's the enemy trying to take that seed, you know? And so I'm sitting there. I said, okay, tell it to me. It's his exact words. The Lord told me to tell you that he'll never take his presence from you. He'll never take his presence from you. That broke me. He didn't know that. Door was shut. There's no speakers in my house. Nobody's listening to me pray. I'm on my knees whispering it to God. And he calls me and tells me that. See, God wants to move. He wants to work in our lives. He wants us to know that we're no longer what we used to be and we're who he's called us to be. And we have to be willing You see, that's a testimony of God, what I just shared you. That's a testimony that he's alive and moving in his people. And we have to be doing this consistently, sharing the gospel, sharing who God is. Verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God. You must become a new creation and you must be born again through the gospel of Jesus Christ to inherit the kingdom of God. And we know these things. I believe everyone in here is saved. And if you're not, at the end of this service, we will pray. And, and if you wanna give your heart to Jesus, you can. But I'm telling you right now, we have to understand and know that we are no longer what we used to be. That we are testimonies of living grace. And we have to be sharing this just like Paul was sharing this just like he was doing in his life. Do our lives look like a testimony of grace, of the grace of Jesus Christ to this world? I want you to stop for a moment and reflect on yourself. Does your life look like a testimony of the grace of Jesus Christ to this world? When people look at you, do they see the testimony of Jesus Christ and his grace in this world? They'll be able to know. Trust me, they'll be able to know. I've been around a ton of secular people. I've worked in multiple secular jobs, and I've had multiple times where they come up to me and go, hey, man, um, I had a guy one time, he said, man, um, I just want to tell you this. I'm I'm sitting in a a car drive, and he walks up to me and says, man, Reese, you're like one of the kindest guys I've ever met in my life. That's what he said. I said, well, thank you, man. That's not me. That's Jesus in me. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. Every time I come up to the drive and I stand next to you, I get convicted from all the sins I do. And I looked at him like, what? I'm thinking like, what? I've never heard anybody say this. And then my response to him was just this. Well, that's the Holy Spirit of God trying to open your heart for you to give your heart to him. And he was just, he didn't know what to say. And I was able to minister to him in that moment. Or when I'm at work and someone says, man, you know, I noticed something. This is at another job. He said, I noticed something. Everybody around here cusses, but you don't cuss. I don't get it. Why don't you cuss? And I told him why I didn't cuss. I read him Colossians chapter three. This is why I don't cuss, man. And he just said, okay, that's it. He, it, it was messing with him. I wasn't acting like everyone else. Does your life, does it look like a testimony of the grace of Jesus Christ to this world? and Paul made it clear that before Christ he was the chief of what sinners would you like to call yourself the chief of sinners <laughs> let's be honest and i know sometimes we will we want to take up that mantle like we are the chief of sinners <laughs> you know but like this guy he was on another level man like i don't know about you i've never murdered anybody i mean he was on another level i've never imprisoned people i've never done these type of things He would liken himself as the chief of sinners, but after Christ, God made him into one of the greatest Christians that has ever lived. And how is that possible? It wasn't accomplished by Paul's personal strength or ability, but it was only made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and him believing in faith on the very Son of God, just like you have. So how can we today want to follow Christ but not live for him? Jesus had many people follow him around at times. He even had thousands who did at times. But it wasn't until he died and was buried and was resurrected and that the Holy Spirit was poured out so that man was able to truly live for him. We are in the age where we can live truly for God. True, holy lives before God. God has given us all that we need to live godly lives of righteousness and truth for him. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verses one through four, Simon Peter, a bondservant, and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. Well, Peter, I've received received the same faith just like yours. His faith wasn't any different than mine. His Jesus wasn't any different than the Jesus I have now. It's the same one. He says, by the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, We've escaped this world through Jesus Christ. We are no longer who we once were. We are who God has called us to be, and we have to walk in that living testimony just like Paul did. I'm probably only gonna get to the second point, so that's fine. I got a lot to say. Doesn't seem like it, but there was a lot up here. Second point is this, and we'll close with this. And I feel like this is a good spot to close. I know we don't have much time, so I'm gonna push through this. God has given us the testimony of Christ in our lives, not only for ourselves, but for others. Do we get that, church? We we were not given this grace to sit on it. We were not given this grace to let it lay idle. We were not given this grace to let it sit by and not be actively moving. God has given us, the beautiful testimonies in our lives of his grace, his love, his mercy, his power, his presence, his spirit, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He's given us this testimony for the people that are outside this door so that we could share it with those people. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. He says, yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me the foremost, and what he's meaning by that is he's meaning that in me the worst of the worst, that's basically what he's saying. He's saying that me as the worst of the worst, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So he's saying, God found and gave me his mercy and grace, so that in me, me being the chief of sinners, me being the guy that killed the Christians, me being the guy that tried to destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ, God might use me to show these unbelieving, wicked people in this world that he has love, patience, and grace, and mercy for them. That he wants to change them just like he changed me, so that they can have eternal life. And I say, this to, I say all that to say this, Paul understood that the grace that was shown to him and the mercy that was poured out to him wasn't just for him. It was, for, it was so that he could go and he could tell others and that he could make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. That's why it was given. And we're heading into an amazing season in our church. What do you think about it right now? We are heading into an amazing season of church growth, of new birth, of new vision, and outpouring in this community, and God's calling us to be just like Paul, to be just like Timothy. He's calling us just like he's called the people in his word, the people who have chosen him, to preach and to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's called us to be testimonies of grace to this community. He's called us to go out and to win the lost souls. I was telling the gentleman in prayer, and we prayed this on on Tuesday morning, I said we have to have God intentions when we go into this season. It cannot be man-made intentions. It cannot be traditional intentions. It has to be God intentions, so that when we go into this, we go into it ready. Because I, I, I don't want to just build a brand new building and sit in it. I don't want to go back to comfortableness. I want to be uncomfortable. I want to go out. I want to see people set free. Let's don't just build a church so that people can come because it looks cool. Let's build a church and let's go and show people who Jesus Christ is so that when they come together with the body, they see the power of God moving. They see the spirit of God changing lives. Let's focus this and do this the right way. We have to understand. Listen to Romans 10, chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. Paul says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will people know if we don't go and tell them? Are they just gonna catch it by whim? Like they're just gonna like, hey there's, a, there's like this Jesus guy who you know, loves you. Like what? No, how are people gonna see the power of God moving in their lives? It has to be first through us, right? We first have to go. We first have to preach. We first have to reach out and share what God's done in our lives. He says, how will they preach unless they are sent? You are sent. The pastor's job is not to build the church. Let me rephrase that. The pastor's job is not to put people in the seats. That's not why we're here. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to instruct, is to equip, is to build up the men and women of God. So they go out and they do the work of God. And when we come back in, we come back in together to be built up, to then go back out and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose. I know a guy who was a youth pastor and his church got rid of him because they were like, well, you're not growing the youth group. And in his head he's like, I can't, that's the, I'm called to equip the kids. The kids have to go, the parents have to go. We all have to go, it's a whole effort. It's an effort together. It's the body of Christ. We have to be working on the same vision, same platform, working in unity. We all have to go. I have to go too. I'm held accountable just like you. But we have to go and share the testimonies of grace. We have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to share what God's doing in our lives. And we have to go out and we have to reach these people. That's what we have to do. It's not a sit back and wait. We are walking testimonies of the grace and love of God and we must stay true and faithful to the one who's called us and to his wonderful light. To do this work, we must not rely on ourselves because in ourselves, we have no strength. But when we rely on the Lord and his words and testimony of who he is, then we find what? Great strength, right? We find great strength to do this. Why can't do this, Pastor Reese? Well, no kidding. It's not gonna be you that does it. It's gonna be the spirit of God in you. It's going to be the word of God that's been planted in your heart. God will stir it up in you. It's like what Paul told Timothy. Stir up the gift of God in you. In 2 Timothy, he told him that. Stir up that gift that's in you. It's in you already. Stir it up. Let it catch on fire. And then go out. Go out and share it. Go out and preach it. We'll get to the third point. Go ahead. It's okay. Everybody seems engaged. It's only 8-11. Come on. You know, all your good shows are already over. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm joking. You're like, that's why we have DVR, Pastor Reese. That's why we have DVR, yep, that's right. Third point, God is the one who will enable us and give us the strength to accomplish his will, to complete his will for our lives. God is the one, God, 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 not you, God. Not Not the people, God, it's God. God is the one that will strengthen you if we look back in verse 12, right off the bat, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is Paul. Paul had, if anybody could boast, Paul had the right, man. He could boast. If he wanted to boast, I mean, Paul, Paul he had been through things that no man could even imagine. So if he wanted to boast about you know, how great he was, he probably could have, but he understood something. He couldn't, because he knew it wasn't him. And if the apostle Paul knew it wasn't him, then I know it's definitely not me. So he says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful in putting me into service. God is putting you into service and it's gonna be his strength in you that's gonna be enabling you to do that work. So if you wake up tomorrow and you have this burning desire to go share the gospel with somebody and then the fear comes in immediately, rebuke that fear and say, listen, Lord, I know it's not gonna be me doing this, it's going to be you, because I can't do this, but I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to share the gospel with this person. I'm going to be willing to invite people. I'm going to be open to this. Why? Because God isn't calling us to sit back with a spirit of fear. He's calling us to go forward, especially if we're going forward with this vision. We have to be reaching out. I I don't want our church just to be about us. I don't want our church just to be about what we have. I want our church to be about what God's going to do. How he's gonna move, how he's gonna work, how he's gonna to touch people outside the church, outside the building. You know, cause really the church isn't the building, the church is the people. How he's gonna to touch lives and change lives. Psalms 18 verses one through three says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. God will enable you and give you the strength, why? Because he's given you your what? Your testimony. What does it say in Revelation? Do we know the verse? What does it say? There's (laughs) There's a lot, yeah. But what does it say? Yeah, I know you know this verse. I can't think of the number right now. But they overcame by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, right? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so God, we're overcoming by what? The blood of Jesus Christ and the word of his testimony in our lives, that he's real, that he's active, that he's moving, that he's working. We don't have a dead faith, right? We have a living faith. And our faith does what? It produces what? Works, right? And so we have to be going out and sharing these testimonies of grace with the people around us. Paul understood that it was going to be God's strength and power that was going to be able to accomplish what God was calling him to do. It's going to be God's strength and power in you that's going to accomplish what he's wanting you to do in this body and in this church. Think of all he went through. I want you to think about this and we're going to end here. When I read this, for the first time in the word of God, it really just blew me away when I first got saved. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we know this, some of you know where I'm going with this, verse 24, he says five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. They said when you received the 39 lashes, most of the time the 40th would kill the man. So when you got beaten, When they got to 39, most of the time when they hit 40 on someone, they died. So he got to 39 five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. Monday morning, I'm gonna take you out to the Pacific Ocean, out in the deep. I'm gonna get you shipwrecked and just let you sit there for a little while. How'd you like that? This guy went through this for Jesus. You wanna tell me Jesus isn't real? You wanna tell me that God isn't real? And this guy would go through all of this? He would get five times nearly beaten to death with with the 39 lashes, he would go three times beaten with rods, he would be stoned once, three times shipwrecked, not once shipwrecked, not twice, three times, man, three times. At one point, he spent a night and a day in the deep. You know my biggest fear? I'm not scared of snakes or spiders. You know what my biggest fear is? Being in the middle of the ocean and not having any way to get back to land. That's literally my biggest fear, just floating in the ocean because I don't know what's underneath me. That's my biggest fear. And so I read this and I'm like, this is my biggest fear. 26, I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness. Dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Dude's getting beaten, always thinking about his church. Dude's going through shipwreck, always thinking about is. Oh, I hope the church in Ephesus is okay hope the church in Corinth is okay. I hope the church in Philippi is okay. How was he able to do that? That wasn't normal strength. That was supernatural God's strength given by God. God strengthened him. And if God can strengthen him like that, he can strengthen us to go and do a work in this community. We can have everything we need to do this work, to do what God's calling us to do. He says, who is weak without being weak? Who is led into sin without, without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. And then he goes on to talk about his weakness and those, those type of things. But God is devir- desiring for us to live for him and to walk in his glory and to walk in his strength and to walk in his love that he's poured out to us through Jesus Christ. We're walking testimonies. Living testimonies. (laughs) I'm going to end with that question I asked earlier. Does your life look the same as it did before Jesus, after Jesus? Because what I read in my Bible is, is I should be as devoted and all out as this man was. And I've had to repent. I've had to repent. You may say, well, what are you saying? I need to go get shipwrecked? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it's not about the situations. It's about the intentions of your heart. You may not go through what he went through, but you can still have a heart like he did that had a deep desire for the things of God. Amen? So let's end with some prayer. So Father, I come before you right now and I thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that your word came forth as you desired it. And I pray that your word would birth in us, oh God, a hunger for you, a desire for you. God, a willingness to go out and to share the testimony of who you are in our lives, Lord, with this world. God, to not let fear control us, to not let sin or temptation dominate us, but Lord, to walk in the grace and the mercy and the love and the power of the Holy Spirit, just as Paul did. Lord, I know that we we all aren't gonna be called to do such an amazing work as he did, But God, you still have a purpose and a call and a plan, and you still have a testimony and testimonies to come of you moving and working in our lives. And Lord, you do this so that the world can see that you are alive, that you are real, that you are who your word says that you are, Lord. And I just pray that our hearts, God, would be so on fire to go out, Lord, as we go into this new season, as we go into 2020, with opportunity on the horizon, Lord, the ability to have a new building and such amazing blessings from you, God. I pray that we wouldn't sit back and we wouldn't waste away. I pray that we would go forward, that God, we would take every opportunity to go into this community and to share the gospel, to be living testimonies of your grace and to share who you are, God, and to see many come to salvation. And Lord, I pray that our intentions, they would be God intentions. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength that we need I pray that we would know every day, God, we're not on this earth for ourselves. We're on this earth to serve you and to serve and to love others, Lord. I pray that we would know that in our hearts. And God, I pray that we would walk in the identity that we're no longer the sinful nature. We're now who you've made us into as new creations, as sons and daughters. And we would walk in that authority and that identity, God, and we wouldn't be ashamed of it, but we would glorify you in it and we would tell all the men and all the women that we meet what Jesus did in our lives so that they could see how real and true your word is, God. And Lord, I thank you that all of this will not be for us to boast. It will not be for us to glory in ourselves, but God, it'll be for you and for your glory. And so, Lord, we proclaim that to you tonight, that we live on this earth and we breathe and we walk for you and for your glory, and our lives are no longer ours. Our lives are yours, Jesus. We praise you, God. I thank you for your words. I thank you for your truth. I thank you that you've given us everything we need. And we praise you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. You're dismissed.